Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crossing Church. Welcome, everybody, online and in person. Yes, we are open, if you hadn't heard. So welcome, everyone. We're so glad that you are here at all of our campuses. Again, we are open, if you hadn't heard. And so you can come out. We have services at our Tampa campus at 6 o'clock on Saturday that are open. And then Sundays at 1030 at all our campuses, Tampa, South Shore, and Plant City, come out in person. And, of course, if you're online, too, we're so glad. Can you give them one more hand for everyone that's watching and tuning in around the world? We're so glad you're with us. Well, Pastor Greg is doing great. He has a, a follow-up appointment. He recently has surgery, if you didn't know. And so we pray that he's going to be back very, very soon. He's got a follow-up appointment this week, and so we believe he'll be back soon. And so as we start today, if you would join me, let's pray for him and Pastor Tamara and their family, and we'll pray for the service as well. Heavenly Father, we just praise and glorify you and worship you. We worship you today, Father. God, uh, first of all, we just thank you for our lead pastors, Pastor Greg, Pastor Tamara, and their whole family. And God, we just pray that your presence be in their home. And God, that uh, he just gets an amazing report this week, dear God, and that he comes and back to teach here very quickly, Father. And God, we pray for this weekend and all the services at all of our campuses as we are back opening. God, we just pray that your presence is felt at home with everyone watching online and at all of our campuses. And again, we just worship you, God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. So we're in a series called Life Gives You Lemons, and I actually brought some lemons today. So we got some in person. But we're in a series called Life Gives You Lemons, and Pastor Michael kicked off the series last week with an awesome message. You give him a hand. Pastor Michael did an awesome job. He doesn't know this, but we're in a beard growing competition. Don't tell him. I think I'm winning. Don't tell him that either. But he talked about the lemons of time disruptions and how we manage that. And so check that out on YouTube and on demand if you missed it. But, but here's our key verse for the whole series, Life Gives You Lemons. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. And that says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And the big idea for the series is this, the challenges that we are facing today, and how many of you know during this season, a lot of you probably have some challenges, are opportunities to realign our lives with God and to bring him praise and to declare his gospel in the earth. Amen? Amen. So what lemons are we going to juice today? Sorry, that's a terrible joke. <laughs> I had to do one dad joke. But today we're going to talk about the lemons of anxiety and stress. I know some of you, especially during the season, might be experiencing stress like you have never before. And maybe you're in a season of stress. Even before all this happened earlier this year, maybe you're just going through something. You're experiencing stress, anxiety, maybe even fear and depression. And so that's what we're going to talk about, how to address it today. And this is something that hit our home personally. My family, my oldest son, his name is Jordan. He's 11 years old. And a couple years ago, we went through an intense time where he struggled with some serious anxiety and fear and with the power of God and through godly counsel and amazing prayer warriors praying, he has overcome. And he has done an amazing job. And I just want to tell you, Jordan, are you here? Yeah, you're over there. I'm proud of you, son. I just want to let you know I'm very proud of you. And, you know, anxiety and fear is one of those things that while you may overcome, it is also a process of overcoming. And there are tools and resources I want to give you today to help you continue to overcome, either even you're in the midst of it or if you've overcome it in the past. And even my son, Jordan, he gave me some bullet points to use today. So I'm going to talk about that later. But this was actually uh, our kids did a yard sale this morning. 
have a picture of it. We were, uh, there was my son Jordan right there. He was selling some toys to get some more toys, amen? <laughs> so, he was doing the yard sale there, so it was, that was pretty fun. So to talk about stress, anxiety, and fear, we're going to look at a king from the Old Testament. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're actually going to stay in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And so if you're at home, you can get your phone out, go to the Bible app, or if you have your physical Bible, we're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to talk about this king. His name is King Jehoshaphat. You've probably heard his name before. It's kind of a funny name, and I'm going to be saying it a lot today. So I'm going to abbreviate. I'm going to say King JP. Is that okay with everybody? I'm going to say King JP. So King JP, here's the setup. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King JP is king, and he just came off a huge amount of, of changes that he made in the nation of Israel to please God. The king before him was evil, and he brought in idols, and the people were worshiping false gods. And so King JP came in, and he made sweeping changes and reforms so the nation of Israel would turn back to God. So he did lots of great things for the nation. He's worshiping God. He's doing everything he can to please God. And then this happens. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, this is how it goes. Starting with verse 1, it says, after this. Now stop right there. We got two words in the verse. <laughs> Y'all are like, oh boy, it's going to be a long one. No, no. After this, I want you to remember that after this means after all those things that King JP did to make the nation of Israel turn back to God and to wipe away all the false gods, it was after this that this happened. It says the Moabites, the Ammonites, together with some of the Meunites, came to fight against JP. People came and told JP, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already in Hazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. And King JP was afraid. So what happens? King JP does all these things to please the Lord. Sweeping changes. He's appointing judges and telling them, you need to serve God, listen for God. And now a massive army has come to attack him and the nation of Israel. Now, King JP probably has some thoughts going through his head. Like, really, God? After all that I have done to move this nation towards you, this is what happens next? A huge army comes that is coming to kill me and to end this nation after all I did to serve you? Has anybody ever felt that way? Maybe during this season? God, I just started tithing, and now my business is suffering. God, I just did this, and now this has happened. And like most of us would also feel, King JP was afraid. The Bible says it. He was afraid. And when we're afraid and we're worried and we're experiencing stress and anxiety, we can choose to do a lot of things. And we're going to see how exactly King JP addressed this impending doom and this fear. I'm going to give you three points for how King JP addressed this issue. I want to give you all three now because i got some good alliteration going. So here it is. The three points we're going to stop seek, and stand. In the story of King JP, he stopped, he seeks God, and then he stands. And we're going to see how that applies to the lemons of anxiety and stress. So number one, stop. Stop. The rest of that verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting with verse 3, it says, King JP was afraid, but... This is the very next line. He resolved to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Who gathered to seek the Lord, they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. 
He proclaimed a fast. And not just for him. He told the entire nation, stop. Stop what you're doing. Whatever you're doing in your homes, in your business, you just need to stop. And we all need to fast and pray. And now to give you a little perspective, when the messengers came and said, JP, there is a huge army coming to get you. That they're in Angedi means it's about 15 miles away. So they're not far away. This army is close. But even with whatever time he had, King JP said, okay, stop everything. We need to pray and we need to fast above everything else. And now King JP, he had options. This wasn't the only thing he could do. He could devolve into worry and fear and just hide out and hope his army can take care of it. He could have been on the offensive. King JP developed a massive army. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 17 says this. JP grew stronger and stronger. He built fortresses and storage cities in Judah, carried out great works in the towns of Judah. He had fighting men, brave warriors in Jerusalem. He could have said, armies, we need to go. Get ready. As soon as he heard that news, he could have said, we need to get the army ready. But he didn't. He stopped and prayed. He stopped and fasted. So number one, I'm going to extend that point. You need to stop everything and pray. When you experience fear, anxiety, you're hit with some bad news, you need to stop and pray. You know, one of the evils of stress and anxiety that when people experience anxiety is this cycle that we get into where a bad event might happen or a thought enters that we begin to worry about and then we begin to worry about worrying and we develop this anxiety cycle and for some people that actually develops into a panic attack. And that's what happens when you enter this cycle of worrying. Some of you might feel like this cycle applies to you right now, especially during all this COVID stuff. It says, I'm too anxious to start on anything, but I'm stressed about, it, about not getting anything done. Anybody feel like that? Especially if you're stuck at home and maybe something's going on with your job. I'm too anxious to start on anything. I'm too on edge. But I'm also stressed out because I'm not doing anything. And so you enter this cycle, this feedback loop, this negative feedback loop. And when we say you need to stop and pray, you're also needing to stop this cycle so your mind can stop cycling on all the negative things that are going on. And, you know, I thought of another cycle, too, when I, when I saw this, this, the anatomy of a stronghold. We use this when we talk about freedom ministries. I'm going to give a plug right now. If you're experiencing anxiety, fear, worry, go to freedom. We have an online class that's four weeks, and it's incredible. Pastor Fiona leads that class. I encourage you to check it out. But what do we talk about? Anatomy of a stronghold. What happens is something negative happens in our life. Maybe something does happen at your job or happens in your home or happens with a family member, a sickness or illness. And then when that bad thing happens, suddenly we start believing a lie within ourselves because of what happened. Maybe you start believing that I'll never get better. This sickness will never go away. I'm not good enough, and that's why I'm going to be fired from my job. I'm not a, a good husband or wife, and so my spouse is going to leave me. You start believing that lie, and because you're believing that lie, then suddenly you start acting, even subconsciously, on those thoughts that you have. And those defense mechanisms start coming out, and then the way you deal with other people comes from those defense mechanisms. And because you're dealing with other people through defensiveness, they start responding to you differently, and it reinforces these negative events. And you keep having negative encounters with people, and the cycle keeps going, and it will keep doing it. And some people, you might be, have experienced this for years. Something may have happened in your life years ago, some negative event, 
And it is still perpetuating today because you started believing a lie about yourself, about your family, about your health, maybe even about God. And so you need to stop the cycle. Stop the cycle. How do we do that? You know, we actually get a biblical reference for this also. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And watch this. We take every thought captive. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know, when that negative thought comes in or something happens, that's a lemon. And you have a choice. When that thought enters your mind, you can continue to dwell on it. You can continue to mull it over. You could do the golem thing and say it's my precious, right? You know what I'm talking about? You have the choice to keep dwelling on that. And then as you dwell on that, then you might feel that cycle of, you know what, this thing is never going to go away. And so now I'm worried about worrying about it. And you get that second level. That cycle just keeps going around and around. And so you need to ask God with the power of the Holy Spirit, take those thoughts captive. Give them to God and say, I'm going to lay it down one at a time. And this is not a one-time deal. You might have to do this daily, hourly, minutely. However long those cycles have been going on in your life, you might need to do it all the time. But don't give up. I'm going to take every thought captive. Every time a thought enters my mind, I'm going to take it captive and lay it at the feet of Christ. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can help you overcome. Amen? And so here's some practical ways to do it. If you have that thought, you got that lemon, and you don't know what to do, you just can't break free from it, I'm going to give you some pointers, some real practical things to do. Number one, talk to a trusted friend. I would say talk to a trusted, godly Christian friend. Amen? But talk to a friend. Diary your thoughts. You've heard Pastor Tamara talk about Emmanuel journaling, listening for God. If you're stuck in that cycle, try diarying. If you're not sure what to do, get out for a walk. Go exercise. Get some fresh air. If you actually are experiencing a problem you need to solve, whether it's monetarily or something else, okay, well, problem solve. Don't just worry about it, right? Worrying is not going to fix anything. The Bible tells us that. So actually sit down maybe with a friend, a trusted advisor, and come up with some solutions. Or distract yourself. If you just can't get out of that cycle, distract yourself with something totally out of there. Maybe find another hobby. Figure out something to do that takes up your mind and, and uh, mental energies. When I asked my son Jordan some things that he has learned as we walked through this, he said, you need to ask yourself these questions. Number one, do I have good reason to believe this bad thing will actually happen to me? That's an interesting question. Do I have good reason to believe this bad thing will actually happen to me? Because sometimes a bad thing might happen in our lives, but then our fear is actually something much greater. Maybe your boss calls you in and, and says, listen, you haven't been performing uh, good enough on this thing, so we need you to change how you do it. But then you go home and you say, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my job. Right? Have you ever actually lost that job? Have you even lost it now? And so are you actually worrying about something that might actually happen? And two, is what you're afraid of ever, ever actually happened to you? Has what I'm afraid of ever actually happened to me? Has it ever actually happened? You might be afraid that you're going to get into a car accident. And listen, if you drive on I-4, it's a little understandable, okay? I get it. But if you've never been in an accident on I-4, and yet you are fretting and worrying and just shaking trying to drive onto that highway. Ask yourself, 
is what I'm afraid of, has it ever actually happened to me? Do I actually have good reason to think this might happen? And that will start taking some of the strength away from those anxious thoughts. Remember, worrying will not change anything. And I want to give you this verse. I'm going to use this verse again later. But this is a verse, actually, my family, we recite it every night together. It's 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, we even actually made a wallpaper for you this weekend for your phone. And so it's going to be posted on our social media. We are crossing. We put this verse on the wallpaper. And so some of you just need to repeat this over and over. You need to memorize it. And I'm going to give you other verses later to memorize. But remember, fear does not come from God. God has not given you a spirit of fear. What he has given you is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Sound mind. So number one, stop the cycle. Stop and pray. Number two, seek. Seek. Seek the Lord. Let's see what King JP was doing at this point in the story. Second Chronicles chapter 20, picking up in verse 5, it says this. Then JP stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. And he said, Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. What is he doing? He's worshiping. He's worshiping God. Even in the midst of this huge lemon, this army coming to attack him, he starts worshiping God. And then he does this. Picking up in verse 13. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, their children. And in the middle of the congregation, the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. So King JP has the whole nation together. They're praying and seeking God. And then this guy over here comes up with a word from the Lord. You know, I thought it was important just to mention here, sometimes God may be speaking to you through some person you didn't expect. So be on the lookout. But Jehaziel, who was the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mattaniah, a Levite from Asaph's descendants, this is what he is saying to the whole assembly, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King JP. This is what the Lord says. So many times in the Bible it says this next part. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours. The battle is not yours, but God's. He says, tomorrow go down against them, and you'll see them coming up the ascent of Ziz. You'll find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness, but you do not have to fight this battle. He reiterates. You're going to go down there, and you're going to see them, and it might be a little scary, but you're not going to have to fight them. You're going to position yourselves, and then you're going to stand still, and then you'll see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. <laughs> Again, he says it. Tomorrow go out to face them, for Yahweh is with you. Then JP bowed his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. So they stopped everything, fasted and prayed, and sought the Lord. They sought the Lord. You know, I was looking up that word seek in the Hebrew. When the Hebrews talked about seeking God, it actually means to trample underfoot. The word seek, it means to trample or to make a path. And they meant it that way because as you seek the Lord, it's something you should be doing all the time. You do it over and over. And so as you seek, you're actually trampling a path 
to God. As you seek the Lord, you're making this groove that you're going to find God. And you seek. It's something you do all the time. Because if you don't seek the Lord, you're going to beat paths somewhere else. Those paths lead to fear and anxiety. And so as I read that at how seek means to trample underfoot, I was thinking about the teachings of a, a Christian woman scientist. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. You may have heard of her. She is a neuroscientist, genius, brilliant. She studies the brain, and she actually works with traumatic brain injury victims, people who have literally had massive damage to their brain, and she works with them to recover, to recover motor skills, cognitive ability, all that. And in her research, she talks about how your thought life literally affects your physical brain. That as you think certain things, as you think about them over and over again, it actually develops physical grooves in your brain, and it entrenches those thoughts. That's when I thought that seek the Lord means to make a trench, to make a path. That's why we need to seek the Lord and not seek other things. Because if you continue to dwell on those thoughts and you continue to worry and have anxiety, they actually get entrenched. Thinking about them more doesn't help them go away. It furthers, entrenches them into your mind. She has this diagram that she uses. It's called a descent to disorder. I saw this in her book. It's so fascinating. She says, when something bad happens, you get a negative signal. You might feel uneasy and shock. You know, that happens in the first 24 to 48 hours. But if you continue to dwell on those negative things, after 21 days, it turns to worry. And you'll continue to worry. And if you keep dwelling on it, after about 42 days, it turns to anxiety. And if you continue to dwell on it over time, it becomes a traumatic event in your life. And then as your body responds to that trauma, your body will develop other physical manifestations to try and attempt to control what's going on. And all that can lead to things like cutting or addictions or eating disorders, personality disorders, phobias, PTSD. And so as we dwell on it, as you make that rut deeper and deeper, as you think those thoughts about worry or fear or anxiousness, it gets harder and harder to get out of the groove. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can break the cycle. You can break the cycle. And then she even puts a verse on every diagram in her books. It's amazing. She puts a verse that applies. In James 1.13, it says this, No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And over and over in the Bible, we see this cycle of you dwell on it. It becomes action, action to sin, and sin to death. And in her research, she talks about how we have the power to begin changing our thoughts, which will literally change our physical brains and lead us somewhere better towards God. And this is interesting. I want to bring in the worldview perspective. If you take the atheist, naturalistic worldview, they believe that there is no such thing as a soul or a spirit. All there is is the physical body, and it's all biology and chemistry and nothing else. And so if something is wrong, whether it's worry, fear, anxiety, or disorder, the problem is you, and you can't fix it. And that is why so often it goes to medication and different kinds of coping mechanisms. But in the Judeo-Christian worldview, we are not our bodies, we are not our brains. We are a soul. 
and we have a spirit, a mind, will, and emotions that live inside of a body. You've heard Pastor Jonas talk about this, the trichotomy of man. And it's amazing how the research in neuroscience is actually showing that that's why our thought life can affect our physical bodies. Because we are a soul with a spirit in a body. And that is why, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can literally change our minds. This quote from Dr. Caroline Leaf's book, she says, Research on the regulatory aspect of the human genome, along with epigenetic research, hints at the power of the thought life to cause changes in our brains and bodies. And it's funny because Scripture mirrors this. And once again, Scripture is just once again confirmed by science. Why do you think the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, if there is anything of moral excellence, if there is any praise, dwell on those things. Dwell on those, not the other things that are causing fear, anxiety, stress. Dwell on these other things. Beat the path to him. I'm going to use this verse now, too. It's so interesting. Romans 12, 2, Paul says again, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will. Why would Paul say that unless it was possible to renew your mind through the power of the Holy Spirit? It's incredible. One more illustration for this point. How many of you saw that movie, A Beautiful Mind, with Russell Crowe? It's an incredible story, and it's a true story of the brilliant man John Nash, and John Nash, he was a mathematician, an economist, incredible, genius again. And as he entered university, he started experiencing schizophrenia, paranoia, and hallucinations. He would see people that aren't there, and it would be incredibly real, and he was really struggling. And so they put him on a regiment of shock therapy and medications and all this stuff to try and help the schizophrenia and paranoia. And finally, John Nash says, enough. I'll just fix it myself. And from that naturalistic worldview, they say, you can't fix it because your brain is the problem and you're trying to use your brain to fix it. But John Nash didn't accept that. And so I want you to keep that dichotomy in mind. And let's watch a, a quick clip of, from that movie. Why did you stop your meds? Because I couldn't do my work. I couldn't help with the baby. We'll need to start you on a higher run of insulin shocks and a new medication. No. There has to be another way. Schizophrenia is degenerative. Some days may be symptom-free, but over time, you're getting worse. It's a problem. That's all it is. It's a problem with no solution. And that's what I do. I solve problems. That's what I do this best. This isn't math. You can't come up with a formula to change the way you experience the world. All I have to do is apply my mind. There's no theorem, no proof. You can't reason your way out of this. Why not? Why can't I? Because your mind is where the problem is in the first place. I can do this. John Nash went on to win the Nobel Prize in 1994. And he overcame many of those symptoms that he was experiencing and actually went to teach at university later in life. With the power of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome thoughts of anxiety and fear. And again, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will. So back to King JP. He was faced with impending doom and fear and anxiety. He stopped everything. He stopped the cycle. 
he sought the Lord. He seeked the direction that he needed to go. And number three, the final point, he stood. Number three, stand. You stop, seek, and stand. How does the story end? Second Chronicles chapter 20, now in verse 18. And the next morning, the Levites from the son of the Kohites and the, and the Korahites, not easy names, let's be honest, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting with a loud voice. Then J.P. bowed with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they were about to go out, J.P. stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in Yahweh, your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. And then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing. I love that part. I mean, they're coming up on this massive army that wants to destroy them, and they just keep singing. They keep worshiping. They give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. And the moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord sent an ambush against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. I believe that also speaks to the power of worship in your life. If you are one who struggles with that anxiety and fear and worry, you need to introduce some worship. You need to play worship in your house. You need to listen to it in your car. And you need to worship yourself, singing and speaking to God. The Ammonites and Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. No one was left. Not a single enemy was left for JP to deal with. God took care of it. When you stop everything in that moment of crisis and you break the cycle, the thoughts swirling in your head, and you seek the Lord for direction, then you do what he says. Maybe that means to stand. Maybe it means to fight. Maybe it means to pray. Maybe it means to worship. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. And then when life throws that lemon at you, don't dwell on it. Don't mull it over. Don't worry about that the army is 15 miles away. Don't worry about what happened at your job. Don't worry about what that person said. You give it to the Lord. You put it at his feet because the battle is not yours. It's God's. I want to leave you with one more resource and then some verses that I believe you sh should help you. And there's a great Christian apologist and philosopher. And honestly, when I began preparing this message, I was going to do the whole JP joke. You know, Jehoshaphat equals JP. I did not realize the irony of the author of this book. This book is Finding Quiet by JP Moreland. I honestly did not plan it. This book called Finding Quiet is by JP Moreland. Now you remember it because that's what I was saying this whole time. JP Moreland, he teaches at a university. He's a brilliant man, Christian apologist and philosopher. And he actually was faced with severe depression and anxiety later in life. And it took him totally off guard. And through several years' process, he talks about in this book how with the Holy Spirit and with God's help, he overcame the power of anxiety and depression. And he says now he is at the most peace he's ever had in his entire life. He even now has recently developed some cancers, and he has to go in for treatment. And he says even that, despite that, he has incredible peace that can't be stolen from him. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you to check out that book. And now I'm going to rattle off some verses. So many times in the Bible, 
It says, don't fear, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything. And if you are struggling with these things, I encourage you, maybe get ready to take some pictures of the screen or write the verses down or go back and watch it later. But these are verses you should memorize, write it down, make it your phone wallpaper, whatever it is. But here it goes. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting you. Isaiah 41, 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Matthew 6, 25. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body or what you will wear. Don't worry. Joshua 1.9 says this, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. John 14.27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. And finally, one more time, 2 Timothy 1-7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of sound mind. Amen. Amen. My family has a routine in the evenings. I was debating whether or not I was going to do this or not. My boys are probably giggling if they know what I'm about to do. Every night before bed, we do this routine. It involves some singing, so should I do it for you all? Yes? Okay. I'm going to do it. I love you, keyboard player, but you might not be able to follow these keys. It's going to be all over. So just give me one second. <laughs> so we actually chant this verse. We say, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And then, then we sing, greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And then we go old school and we sing, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. This is why we have to start our bedtime routine at 3 in the afternoon. We do all these songs. And then the last song we do, and hold after we do this song, because I know they're probably going to do the, next, the last thing. Then we sing, um, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. Now, don't do it yet. You can do it with me in a second. And then we do the last part. I'm going to go back to the verse so you know there's a biblical reference for it. But King JP, when they went out to face the army, they said they shouted. They stood up to praise the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, shouting with a loud voice. And so I kid you not, I, we do this every night. After we do all those songs, at the very end, you guys ready? You going to do it with me? All right, one, two, three. Ho! That's what we do. You can start again. 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. It just started with the verse. We would just recite the verse and then go to bed. And then we realized, now we're going to do this song. And then we're going to do this next song. And it's amazing. It's amazing. The power of God. When you worship him, he responds. And it's not rote. It's not just a routine we do. As you worship him, as you recite these verses, he can give you the power to overcome. The Holy Spirit can come and help you. You don't have to be in the cycle. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with anxiety. So let's pray together. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Two calls. If you right now are experiencing anxiety, worry, and fear. You feel like you're in a cycle and you can't break free. I want you to raise your hand if you're in the house and if you're at home. Would you raise your hand right now? See, I'm struggling with that right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so many times you tell us, don't fear, don't be anxious. And you wouldn't tell us that if you didn't also give us the tools to overcome. And so, God, we pray for everyone with their hands lifted here in the room at all of our campuses, watching at home. God, we pray that we begin to break the cycle as those thoughts come into our minds and we're not sure what to do with them, that we fall at your face. We begin to worship you. Maybe we recite a verse. Maybe we just need to shout. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we overcome. Set your people free. And I tell you, you have to want it. You have to want to be free. God, we pray that you visit everyone in their homes tonight that has their hand raised all over the world, that your presence be palpable and felt, that they begin to experience freedom. It might not be overnight. It's probably going to be a process, but that they begin to feel your presence more than the fear, day by day, more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, for those of you who may not know of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, all today I was talking about the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God. And he has given you the power not only to overcome fear and anxiety, but to overcome sin and death, because that's what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. And so we want to give an opportunity. If that's you, you've never trusted Christ, you've never given your life to Christ, maybe you're not sure what that means. But today you say, I want to submit to God. I want to say, God, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I want to give my life to you. We're going to pray a prayer now, and it's you submitting yourself to God to serve him the rest of your life. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes one more time, and this we're going to pray all together. I just want you to repeat after me. Everyone say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I give you my life. Help me to follow you for all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With, if you could keep your heads, bows, and eyes closed if you're here in the room, and this is for here in the room or everyone online, if you prayed that prayer, and today you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to count to three. And if you're here in the room, we want you to raise your hand. And if you're there at home, we want you to raise your hand too as a sign to God saying, I'm giving my life to you. Get ready. If that was you, we'll lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Amen. Amen.
Amen. If you're in the room, would you look up here? And if you're at home, would you celebrate? Because people gave their life to Christ just now, here in the room and at home, everywhere. Praise God. Praise God. If you would stand with me here at the Tampa campus and there at your campuses, we're going to do one more worship song. Again, if that was you and you're at home, we want to connect with you. We want to walk with you. We have a number that you can text the word Jesus to the number that you see on the screen. Or if you're on our website or on Facebook, there's a link you can click. And we just send us your info so we can connect with you and begin to walk with you on that journey with Christ. I hope you're encouraged today. Praise God. We'll see you next week.